Welcome to another episode of the LA Public Health Podcast. I'm Steve Baldwin. As the emergence of the BA4 and BA5 variants continue to drive the spread of COVID-19 in LA County and across the state, the use of therapeutic drugs as a treatment has become a major point of interest. And today we're joined by Dr. Sierra Kirian, Regional Health Officer for Service Planning Areas 1 and 2, and the lead for COVID therapeutics with COVID response in the LA County Department of Public Health to understand how therapeutics might help us, who should take them, and perhaps most importantly, what therapeutics don't do in terms of protecting us from COVID-19. Dr. Kirian, it's great to see you again. Thank you so much for joining our show today. Thanks for having me, Steve. Happy to be here. Dr. Kirian, There are a lot of questions people have about therapeutics. I'm so glad you can join us to help us unravel some of these questions and the mystery around therapeutics, what they do and what they don't do. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to jump into some of the questions I have for you. Sure, let's go. All right. First up, what exactly are therapeutics and how do they work? Sure. So therapeutics are basically medications and they work by preventing the virus from either replicating or entering our cells. So essentially really helping prevent the infection that we might already have from getting worse than it it is currently. Okay. So is there a preventative angle for therapeutics or is it only if you've already got the virus and you're trying to prevent the virus from growing? Good question. So the majority of the therapeutics that we have are really intended as a treatment. So really to prevent the infection that you have from getting worse. We do have one product called Evusheld, which is intended as a prevention medication. So it's really for people who either are moderately or severely immunocompromised and really just can't mount an adequate response to vaccination, which is really the best tool that we have to help prevent us from getting sick in the first place. So for people who can't mount a response or for people who have severe allergies to components of the vaccine and can't get vaccinated for that reason, there is this product called Evershell, which is intended to help prevent infection from COVID. But all of the other therapeutics that we have are really intended to treat an infection once a person is already infected. Okay. And you've touched on this a little bit already, but just to be really clear. So the vaccines will hopefully prevent us from becoming infected where therapeutics generally treat the infection that we've already got. Exactly. Yeah. And again, you know, none of these, none of these therapeutics, including Evashel, should be looked at as a substitute for vaccination. Vaccination really is the strongest tool in our toolkit still to really help prevent us from getting sick in the future. But, you know, we do know that even though um, some people get vaccinated, you can still get infected. And so if you do get infected, it's really important to talk to your doctors right away about some of these therapeutic options so that you can prevent your illness from getting worse. And again, for those who are immunocompromised and cannot take advantage of that really powerful tool that we have, which is vaccination, they can talk to their doctor about getting Evershield instead. Okay, so if an individual is COVID positive, Can they talk to their doctor about getting a prescription for one of the therapeutic drugs? 
there's a little bit more to that than just being positive. So a person, in order to be eligible for therapeutics, you have to test positive, but you also have to have mild to moderate symptoms. So this can be, you know, even just a mild cough, a fever, Folks who have really severe symptoms uh, really need to, to talk to their doctor and be started on, you know, potentially medications if they need to get hospitalized, which are different than these outpatient therapeutics that we're talking about today. So really the goal is that as soon as you test positive, if you have mild to moderate symptoms and you're considered to be at high risk to progressing um, to more severe disease or hospitalizations, you want to talk to your doctor and get started on these oral outpatient therapeutic medications. So really, uh, the folks that fall into that category of being at high risk for progressing is actually pretty broad. So, you know, folks that were previous smokers or are obese or are 50 years or older are all categories of individuals that would qualify as being at high risk for progressing to more severe disease. Even people who are unvaccinated or who are not up to date on their vaccines might also be considered at high risk. So really the, the population who qualifies for therapeutics is really broad. So if you feel that you might qualify, it's really important that you do talk to your doctor right away. You mentioned that therapeutics are for folks that have mild to moderate symptoms. It reminds me a little bit of something like Tamiflu for the flu, where you have to take it within five days of your symptoms. Is that is it similar in that regard? Yeah, it is. It's very similar. So Tamiflu is also an antiviral uh, treatment. Um, as you mentioned, treated for flu. It's something that you would have to talk to your doctor and get a prescription. So in all of those respects, Steve, it's very similar, exactly like the um, therapeutics that we're talking about today. So we have um, a couple of oral medications that I can mention. We have Paxlovid and Molnupiravir that are taken by mouth. We also have uh, a medication, Remdesivir, which is given actually IV. So it's not an oral medication. And similarly, we have another medication called uh, Beptilovimab, which is a monoclonal antibody. So a little bit different mm. than these other ones that we're talking about, but these are all therapeutic agents. They're all medicines that you would you know, need to speak with your healthcare provider about, and they're all intended to treat people who have mild to moderate disease. For all of them, just like you mentioned with Tamiflu, you do want to get started on them very early. So Paxlovid and Molnupiravir, you need to get started on those within about five days of your symptom onset. For remdesivir and beptilovimab, you need to get started within seven days of treatment. Got it. Do we have a website? Those are some big words. I couldn't repeat those that you just said. Do we have a website or something that the county, uh, a list of these meds that the public can go to and find out more information uh, about them? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the website is www.ph.lacounty.gov backslash COVID medicines, all sort of one word. That's great. And we will include a link to that website in the show notes for this episode. So open up your podcast player, get to the show notes, and you can hot link right to that website. Okay, so we don't want to wait until our symptoms are severe before we ask for therapeutics. What if we do, though? What, what happens if we wait too long and our symptoms get, get more severe? 
Yeah, you know, at that point as well, you need to get into to see your healthcare provider um, right away, and they can determine what the next appropriate course of action would be for you. Whether you know, based on your symptoms, you might still qualify for some of these therapeutic agents, but more likely than not, if your symptoms are very severe, they may even need to um, hospitalize you. So again, mm. super super important to make sure that at the first sign of those symptoms that you you get on the phone with your doctor and you try to either get an appointment or a telehealth visit so that you can get these medications. How long do the do the drugs take to have an impact? I mean, do they work right away? How, how long do they generally take until you start feeling better? Yeah, most people start noticing some sort of improvement in symptoms within about 24 to 48 hours after oh. starting on these medications. So I will just mention the length of time that you're on these medications varies a little bit, but they're all really short course treatments. So Paxlovid, it's a medication, you, again, you take by mouth twice a day for just five days. Molnupiravir, similarly, you just take it twice a day by mouth for five days. Remdesivir, it's an IV medication. You've got to go in and do it three on three separate days, but again, just, you know, short course, three days. And um, Beptilovimab, again, it's just, it's a one-time treatment. You go in and beptilovimab and remdesivir, both the IV treatments, you have a little bit more of a window to get in and get started on treatment for both of those. You have up to seven days before you have to, um, you know, within which time you need to get started. For the Paxlovid and Molnupiravir, which are the oral medications, you need to get started on those within five days of the start of your symptoms. Got it. Most everyone in the county has access to free vaccines. We know that. What about these therapeutics? Are they covered by insurance? Are they available widely? Talk to me about that. How do people get a hold of these in terms of cost? Sure. So in terms of cost, so the medications themselves are absolutely free because all of these medications are actually purchased by the U.S. government and then made available to local jurisdictions who then pass that along to the healthcare providers. And some sites, like a lot of the big retail pharmacies, are also getting medications directly from the U.S. government. So because none of these sites are having to pay for the medication, they can't charge you for the medications either. But there are, you know, things that go along with the medication. So like, for example, with the remdesivir and the beptilovimab, they have to actually inject the medication. So the administration of these medications is something that could be charged to you. So the medications are free, but there could be these other costs. So it would be good to check in with your insurance plan to see uh, what the coverage is for these COVID therapeutics. Do you happen to know if they're covered by Medi-Cal? Yes, actually. So Medi-Cal, Medicare do completely cover the cost of these um, medications. So there is no cost sharing really for the for people who are on those plans. I will also say that, you know, for people who are underinsured or uninsured or just, you know, having difficulty accessing services, the Department of Public Health also has our own telehealth services. These services are available seven days a week from 8 a.m. till 8.30 p.m. And uh, for folks who are, again, underinsured, uninsured, having difficulties accessing, you can call into this call center 
They will connect you to a healthcare provider who will do an assessment to see if you're eligible for medication and which medication would be right for you. And then they will send a prescription to either a pharmacy that's nearby or you can even have medications shipped to you overnight. And I can give you the phone number for the call center. That number is 1-833-540-0473. That's great. Again, I'll repeat that number, 833-540-0473. And we will put that in the show notes as well for this episode. Thank you for sharing that. That's wonderful. I have sort of a basic question for you. I'm a little bit embarrassed to ask this one, but I, I have to ask it. So you mentioned antiviral earlier. I've had colds in the past, like most of us have had, and I've been on antibiotics. What's the difference between an antiviral and an antibiotic? And part two, do antibiotics help with COVID? Really good question, Steve. You should not feel embarrassed to ask those type of questions. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I'm sure lots of people have similar questions. So yeah, there are a lot of different types of medications out there. And the type of medication that you use for a particular patient depends on the type of infection they have. Typically, the medications that are used to treat bacteria bacterial infections. So, you know, if the, the culprit that's causing your infection is a bacteria, we use antibiotics. If, on the other hand, what you're dealing with is an infection caused by a virus, we use what's called, what are called a category of medications called antivirals. If you have a fungal infection, we use antifungals. So it's just a name to list a broad category of medications that are targeted at different types of bugs that are causing the infection. So for COVID, we know that COVID is caused by a virus, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So for that virus, the treatment would be antiviral medications. But, you know, we also do have another category of medications called monoclonal antibodies. These medications are not necessarily purely targeted at reducing the virus. So like antivirals, what they're doing is keeping the virus from multiplying within our body or entering into our cells. So with the monoclonal antibodies, their primary purpose is to prevent that virus from getting into our cells as opposed to preventing it from multiplying. So the name of the medication might have a little bit of a difference in terms of the, the target. So either is it a bacteria, a virus, a fungus, or whatever, or how it functions in terms of what it's trying to do. So, you know, I can just sort of say, add to the fact that, you know, Paxlovid and, and um, Molnupiravir are considered antivirals because their main purpose is to prevent the virus from replicating in our body. We also have, and remdesivir as well, sorry, beptilovimab is considered a monoclonal antibody. Its primary purpose is to really prevent the virus from entering into our cells. So slightly different purposes, all can be used as treatment though to help really prevent our infections from getting worse or resulting in us needing to get hospitalized. That's really clear. And thank you for helping me feel comfortable about asking that question. That's <laughs> sure. the most clear sure. answer I've ever gotten on it. Thank you so much. What is the test to treat program? 
and how does that work? Yeah, you know, I think very early on, the U.S. government realized that because these medications do require a prescription from a healthcare provider, that it was going to get complicated for a patient to try to see a healthcare provider, then pick up a prescription somewhere else, and maybe even get tested in sort of another area. So to try and consolidate all of these different pieces that are needed to get diagnosed with having COVID and then getting evaluated and getting medication, they created this program where they put all of those elements basically in one spot. So a test to treat center is essentially somewhere where you can go, get tested, be seen by a provider and get your medication either all in one spot, which is what the majority of places are, or in a place that's connected to, like, for example, you might have a clinic, but you might have a pharmacy, like, right next door or very close by. So uh, that's the okay. that's sort of the, the concept around test to treat. So if you mm-hmm. go to our website that we mentioned earlier, again, they uh, there is also information on the test to treat program and where you can access test to treat sites. Yeah, one-stop shopping. That's fantastic. Exactly, awesome. exactly. How do the therapeutics relate with mask wearing? I mean, they, they may not seem related on the surface, but I have people that I know that stopped wearing masks when they were vaccinated. So is there a connection with if I'm taking therapeutics, do I still need to wear a mask? Yeah, so so if you're ta- if you're actively taking therapeutics, it means that you're still infectious, and really you should still be staying at home and not going out in public. Mm. So yeah, that I think is important still, and it remains the guidance that we still have for people who you know after completing a course of therapeutics, after coming out of isolation, and who are out and about in the community. It's important to remember that, again, these therapeutics, with the exception of Evusheld, are really just intended to treat that immediate infection that you have. It's not intended to provide you any future protection against, you know, a repeat infection or anything else. And that's why, you know, we always really try to emphasize These therapeutics are not a replacement for vaccination, nor are they a replacement for any other protective measures that we may take to help prevent us from getting infected, which is exactly what masks do. They help us. Mm -hmm. They're another tool in our arsenal to help prevent people from getting infected. And I'll say right now, you know, our case numbers are really, really high again, once again. It really becomes important to think about all of these different strategies to help protect us and our vulnerable population. Mm. Episode 85 of our podcast, we talked about the impact of long COVID. And if you haven't listened to that one, it's a great episode. Go back and listen to episode 85. Is there any connection in the literature around therapeutics and long COVID or maybe preventing from a prevention standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The therapeutics that have been used right now for COVID um, are still relatively new, right? You know, so we've only had them in play, really, in the general population since about December, January of last year, this year. So I think, you know, these are all important questions, and I'm sure these are all questions that are 
under consideration by researchers, and I'm sure we'll know more in the future. At this point, they're not really saying that these medications are, are a way to kind of prevent COVID. But of course, treating infection early, getting it under control are all important components of, again, just generally staying you know, healthy and preventing long-term consequences. Do therapeutics, along that same line of thinking, do therapeutics reduce the likelihood of reinfection, of getting COVID a second time? Yeah, no, really good question. So again, you know, the purpose of the medication is to prevent the infection that you've got. So not wow. necessarily a future infection. Mm. But, you know, maybe along those lines, people have um, sort of getting confused between maybe um, these oral antivirals and Evusheld. So again, Evusheld is that medication that can be used to help prevent future infections. But it's really for a very specific population of individuals. So people who are immunocompromised. So those are folks who are like going through active cancer treatments, who are on, you know, uh, major immunosuppressive medications for a medical condition they may have. So those type of folks are, again, folks who cannot get vaccinated because they have severe allergies to vaccine components. So, you know, maybe there's a bit of confusion that people have between those, those two different types of therapeutics. Are patients sometimes on more than one? Like, could a patient theoretically be on Evusheld and then also be taking Paxlovid? Or are they mixed and matched like that? Or can you start one treatment and then start another one? Yeah, you could have a because Evusheld, the way Evusheld works, is it's a it's a one time injection, but then mm-hmm. it is something that needs to get redosed every six months because again, it's a preventive measure in individuals who are severely immunocompromised. In the event between those six months, or if a person you know, didn't get a chance to get redosed and ends up getting infected, their healthcare provider may choose to treat them with one of these other treatments like Paxlovid, Maldipiravir, Bepsilovimab, or Remdesivir to treat the infection that they unfortunately end up getting. Got it. And just last question here, just in terms of safety, have these drugs been vetted by the FDA? Are they all FDA approved and have shown to be safe? Yeah, again, really good question. So remdesivir, which is that one medication that I mentioned, that's a three-time IV infusion medication, that is fully approved by the FDA. And I, I will also note it is the one medication out of all of them that we have that's authorized for use in children. Mm. Children as young as 28 days of age, weighing at least seven pounds, can receive remdesivir. The other medications, so Paxlovid, Molnupiravir, Bepsilovimab, and Evusheld, are all still under emergency use authorization, which means that the Mm. FDA had enough data to release the medications into use, but are continuing to collect additional data to continue to monitor its safety and efficacy. I will note that Paxlovid, which is the oral antiviral that I will say is the most commonly used, it is by far the most commonly used antiviral, Pfizer, which is the company that makes Paxlovid, has actually submitted their application now to the FDA for full approval. So we expect to hear some news about that hopefully very soon. Got it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kirian, for your clarity and your expertise. Really appreciate you coming on the show today. And it's good to see you again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. 
Listeners, if you or a loved one have difficulty leaving the home and would like to be vaccinated against COVID-19, you can request in-home vaccination services by calling 211 or by calling the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health's Vaccine Call Center. And that number is 833-540-0473. Again, that's 833-540-0473. And operators are standing by 8 a.m. to 8.30 p.m., seven days a week. Now, you can also go online and fill out an online request form, and we will include a link to that form in the show notes for this page. We have an in-home vaccination page in both English and Spanish where you can make self-referrals, and they also accept referrals from caregivers, loved ones, organizations, agencies, and healthcare providers, among many others. All of those are welcome. All available vaccines are offered at no cost, and household members or caregivers can also be vaccinated at the same time. For resources related to paratransit and free rides for vaccinations, again, call the Public Health Vaccine Call Line Center, and that's again, 833-540-0473, or visit our How to Get Vaccinated page. Again, a link will be in the show notes for this episode. In addition, we are currently offering in-home COVID-19 vaccinations for families working with home visitation programs. Home visitors can offer COVID-19 counseling and refer to our mobile vaccine nursing team. We offer all available vaccines to any eligible household member at no cost. For information about home visiting programs in Los Angeles, go to edirectory.homevisitingla.org. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the L.A. Public Health Podcast.